Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Anything is Possible, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the legend, the god, Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic himself, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And you we almost forgot it there. What? You almost lost track. I know I did it wrong, actually. I said I did it in the wrong order, and it threw me off. Uh... I went legend before God. Normally I go the kid, the God, the legend. And it really, it threw me for a loop here. <laughs> uh, we are joining I you. I could see it in your face. I wasn't even really paying attention to what you were saying, but I could just see it in your face that you were a little shook. Yeah. And I was hoping to kind of just get over that, you know, uh, have it be something that maybe, maybe only the diehard listeners would notice. But no, you had to re- immediately call me out there. Um, we are in here in the depths of the TD Garden after game two of the opening round series, Boston Celtics versus the Atlanta Hawks. Celtics win again, 119-106 in what I would say was an ugly basketball game where the Celtics, <coughs> real cough. That's so funny. The Celtics, I don't think, played their best basketball, but there was just not a lot the Hawks could do. Uh, the Hawks made certainly made some adjustments. They shot 48 threes tonight. Like They certainly tried to kind of change the math in their favor. One adjustment they didn't make was keeping the Celtics out of the paint or remotely deterring them from getting to the rim. And so despite, I think, the Celtics coming out a little flat, not, not knocking down a lot of their shots early, uh, eventually it just felt like the Celtics were obviously going to win this game by 10 points. And it just felt like that pretty much for the entire game. Yeah. The, the start did not feel like that. The Celtics were thought they came out pretty flat for a playoff game. They weren't as sharp or aggressive defensively. Um, they let Hunter walk into a couple of easy shots and he kind of got going a little bit. They fell behind 10 points early, uh, so it took them a while to get going a little bit. But even in the start, it felt like they had – maybe they just approached it a little too casually, but it felt like they could – they still had the opportunities to get to the rim, and they just like felt like they were missing some shots that they didn't have. I do think their defense was a little lax, but it felt like even when they fell down 11, there was at no point in this game was like, oh – this could be a bad one for the Celtics. But that's only because you have no respect for the Hawks whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a major, major factor here. And I don't think the Celtics have any respect for the Hawks whatsoever, nor should they. <laughs> uh, yeah, after that point, it was mostly Celtics. It was hilarious because Jason Tatum said how 
much better the Hawks were at protecting the rim. He did say that in his post game, and, and they kind of were. Like Okongwu had some inc- one incredible block on Derek White. Uh, he absolutely destroyed Derek White. That was a crazy block. Uh, yeah, he had another block. Like it wasn't a t- totally non-existent defense at the rim tonight. The Celtics still had sixty-four points in the paint. They were getting to the rim basically whenever they wanted. They only shot 33 three-pointers, which is hardly any for them. But they don't need to because they can just get to the rim time after time after time after time after time. And so Derek White is absolutely destroying the Hawks in this series. Tatum was able to get to the rim a lot. Um, They didn't always make the best decisions. A lot of turnovers early. Jalen Brown kind of was not, I would say, locked in in the first quarter. Had some sloppy passes there. Yeah, I thought the whole team was <laughs> was not locked in, but he definitely had some. Like, he had three first quarter turnovers. He had some bad moment. The <laughs> yeah. pass to I think Okongwu just intercepted it. It was like this lollipop pass directly to him, just pretty bad. But then. By the end of the first quarter, they were back up three. Derek White had that awesome, awesome block on Trey Young. Like, Derek White has just been unreal in this series. Um, and that last play of the first quarter, Trey's trying to beat him off the bounce. You thought it would be the last possession of the quarter overall uh, because of how much time was left. White, like, sticks with him and then makes an awesome block with his left hand. Like, that block was so tough to avoid the foul. Trey Young draws a ton of fouls most of the time, but hasn't really at all in this in this series. I think he had what six free throw attempts tonight. Um, yeah, six free throw attempts. And Trey, I mean Derek White has just done an awesome job on him defensively, while also averaging twenty five points per game in the series. He's just been kicking Trey Young's ass, honestly. Like both ends of the court. And you didn't mention that that block then leads to Malcolm Brogdon hitting the buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that it then went directly to Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon, who drilled a half court buzzer beater. And it was funny because he never shot heaves during the regular season. Like he he's he's a very efficient guy, and I think he knows his numbers are very efficient and never heaved it during the regular season. But he had the chance in the playoffs and drilled that puppy. I thought he – I don't think he got spoken about once tonight in the postgame, but I thought he was pretty just solid in terms of guy coming on in off the bench, especially when they did not have a great start and just being someone who can attack the rim. It felt like they, they didn't specifically target Trey as much as like you would think, but it did feel like at multiple points throughout the game, whether it was Brogdon, whether it was Derek White – whether it's smart, a bunch of guys just realized, oh, wait, we have Trey Young on us. and could just, Oh, we can just drive. And they kind of just like had that realization. I thought Brogdon, White, Smart all did a good job of just remaining aggressive. Uh, and it's just why the Celtics kind of just consistently had that lead after that uh, yeah. first quarter. I thought they're just the bench in general or just those three guards just all did a pretty strong job of consistently putting the pressure on the Hawks defense. And Robert Williams was really big during that stretch too, um, doing stuff that he doesn't always do. 
Like, he got try, I, like targeting him for a cross match or like like him attacking a smaller player? Like, what is this? Yeah, he got, I think it was DeAndre Hunter on him in transition and like demanded the ball. <laughs> like just posted up right under the rim, demanded the ball. They threw it to him. Easy bucket. Uh, then like a minute or two later, Bogdanovich was on him. I forget whether it was a switch or another transition cross match. Same thing. Like just put his big paw in the air. They threw it over the top. He grabbed it, made it an easy bucket. Uh, so I thought he really helped change the energy too. And then Brogdon, like you said, wasn't his most efficient game. He was four for 11, and that included the the heave at half court. That was very fortunate, obviously. But just the pace he brought. And he's not always a guy who, who ups their pace. A lot of the times, like, he's more of a half court player, point guard, than some of their other options. He was pushing the pace. He was getting out in transition. He was... Really, I thought playing with purpose. Uh, and so even though his he just shot four for eleven, he was he was a a force that just helped their entire offense tonight. I, I thought, like you said, he was really good uh in ways that probably went a little bit unnoticed. I also think the Celtics after that first quarter, just the defensive intensity ratcheted up, other than the kind of moments where it was just the Hawks trying to attack Sam Hauser, which was their strategy for, I think, a solid six minutes there in the second quarter. <laughs> and he, he held up pretty well. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, really didn't seem to really work out there for the Hawks. But once they didn't have a specific target in Sam Hauser on the court, there was just not a lot that the um, Hawks could do offensively. I thought we saw more of the two-big lineup tonight with both Robert Williams and Al Horford on the court. And I just thought they looked great defensively in terms of, like, there was just not a lot the Hawks could do uh, with those guys on the court. That one play John Collins had where Robert Williams blocked him initially, and then he got the ball back, and Al Horford came out of nowhere and just fucking swatted him away. It was like, what is John Collins supposed to do there? And then that pass the ball. just pass the ball. That immediately just. led to a Tatum in transition, finding Al in the corner for a three. It was a huge play. But I just thought those two guys is, I guess, a, a, a newer wrinkle. Compared Did Robert to Williams one. block him? I'm not even sure he blocked him, but he like just shut him down either way. But I thought Robert Williams just coming off the bench was extremely active on on defense, and it just felt like in any lineup that didn't involve Sam Hauser, it just felt like the Celtics were. And I'm not even. It just stood out because the, the Hawks like definitively attacked Sam Hauser. And when he was not on the court, it didn't feel like they had a, a great plan of attack at all. Um, despite play, like getting better performances tonight from Hunter was okay early in his first four shots, but I thought Murray was better tonight, especially shooting threes, seven of 13. I thought Bogdanovich had a better game. Um, they got some better offensive performances, but it still didn't feel like they could get baskets consistently and it just felt like the Celtics in the second half well I guess in the second quarter and then in the fourth quarter really just ratcheted up their defense and there's not a lot the Hawks could do but yeah the Hawks are gonna have to have I think probably a really good offensive night to win a game in this series and they haven't had that yet and tonight like DeJounte Murray is not a good three-point shooter he hit seven of 13 threes Quinn Snyder has said all along he just wants those guys to just get up more and more threes. And that's been a huge emphasis for them. Clearly, it was an emphasis for Murray. And the Celtics want him to shoot those. And he seems to know that. He was barking at the Celtics bench 
after a bunch of his buckets. Uh, I think telling them basically if if you continue going under screens and continue to force me to being a jump shooter, then I'll just make these things. Um, but still, he didn't do enough to kill them. And if you're able to keep him in front and not allow him to get other guys going, then you'll live with that. The only <laughs> other guy who really had any success was Bogdanovich, who had a pretty big game off the bench with 18 points, four for seven from three. But other than him, like Sadiq Bey didn't hit a three. Hunter was really hot early, but finished two for nine from three. John Collins made a three early and then didn't make another one. He was two for 11 from the field. Trey Young is like just not really been much of a factor offensively in this series. Like obviously he's, he's been, he's made some great passes. He's, He's, but they haven't let him really control any part of any game so far. It doesn't feel like they're running a lot of just like high pick and roll with Trey. And like, I guess he had one lob to Capella tonight, or, but it doesn't feel like it's like just Trey iso ball in a way where it's like you think it might be just given he's clearly their best player. But like I would expect him to have way more step back threes. He only hit attempted eight threes tonight, or just way more floaters in the lane. It just feels like I don't want to say he's not engaged, but it, like he's clearly not like looking to dominate and take over. Probably because a lot of the defensive attention's on him and just making the right play. But I expected kind of more of a Trey Young to try and step up and be the hero tonight. That and I was kind of surprised that didn't happen. Yeah, and I think honestly, part of it is the job Derek White is doing. There were some times, like, Young is so crafty. He really makes you, like, try to outthink him when you're playing defense. And there was there was a play in transition. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. Um, but White is, like, trying to look off – or Young is trying to look off White and, like, either find find space to throw it to a teammate or go up himself. And – it was like just this, this cat and mouse game, kind of like Robert Williams played with Young a little bit in the first first game. And it was like White played it so perfectly, took away the pass that I think Trey Young wanted to get to, forced him into a shot, and he missed it. And it was just like just great, great individual defense by White to to force Trey Young into being a little uncomfortable. Then there was another play, like Trey was coming around a screen. And he ended up shooting like this little lefty floater, but you could see while he was driving, he could just feel Derek White behind him. And some of the blocks White's had in this series, like you can just tell that Trey Young feels him and and knows that he's always going to chase the play. He's always going to be around the action. Uh, there was another play. White was so mad at himself for fouling Trey Young after like biting on the pump fake. But that was a rare mistake from Derek White. He's been so good over the first two games of this series. I think the combination of him and Marcus Smart, basically you have 48 minutes of great perimeter point of attack defense. And I think Marcus, after having what he'll probably call a down year defensively this year, at least in these first two playoff games, he's just been super high energy. Uh, It's just like, being able to basically switch everything between those two guys and the kind of the bigger guys on the court, I just think is a huge advantage. And like Marcus, despite like not his like craziest game, he 
14.6 assists, but I still thought his intensity, his energy in combination with Derek White was just a huge reason why, like the Celtics had the better guards throughout this entire game. And like, if the Hawks are going to win that, that's, they're going to have to win the guard position. And so far in these first two games, the Celtics guards, mostly because of Derek White have just been dominated. Yeah. I thought the second half from smart was, he was just awesome. Uh, like the rest of the team, the first quarter wasn't, he wasn't super sharp, but that third quarter, I sit next to Steve Hewitt, Boston Marathon runner. Um, Not just runner, completer. Completer. And ran it in less than four hours. Sore calves today, though. That's what I hear. Quads. 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 It was the quads. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, turning the third quarter, like it must have been six or seven different times. I was like, wow, that was a nice play by Marcus Smart. And it was all mostly subtle stuff. But he was just, he was really, really sharp, just doing smart, intelligent things on both sides of the court. Um, uh, we haven't even really talked about Jason Tatum, who had 29 points. Who had 14 points in the second quarter and just was at one point feeling it. And I don't know, it's just like casual Jason Tatum at this point. We're around 30 points, 10 boards, upwards of five assists. Like that's just what you expect from him. Smoke two bunnies tonight, though. Smoke two wide open bunnies. <laughs> wide open bunnies. Just unacceptable bunny Probably smoking. The, the easiest layup he had all game. One of them was like <laughs> wide, open. wide open. And then the second one was fairly wide open. Well, there's a point in the second half where the game just turned into pure nonsense where there's just like turnover, 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 turnover. I think the, that was the second smoke bunny. And it's just like... The Hawks did, I guess, make it close and cut it down to nine. What was that start of the fourth quarter? But at no point. I think it got to eight at one point. Yeah. But it's still like the game just kind of felt like it was like this is. It's kind of disrespectful of the playoffs. It was kind of just like a ridiculous series. I think if the Celtics win on Friday night, they should just call the rest of the series. I have three different group chats. In which someone texted me, this series is so useless. <laughs> I agree. It's a common common refrain. I mean, it's just the game, they, it got kind of like ridiculous. And it's just like, okay, like let's get this over with. There's nothing really more that could happen other than... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Apparently, the people of the TD Garden read The Athletic because they got an uh, overrated chant for Trey Young. Who was voted the most overrated player in the NBA by other players, which is hilarious. 
I so after that, like immediately after that, he gets a steal and like gets a layup. And I was actually, I think, in my heart, you were fearful. You were fearful. No, I was rooting for Trey Young to bring some spice to this series. I was like, oh, maybe the villain is here. Maybe this is what unlocks him. And then he immediately missed his next shot after that. And it was just like, oh, maybe it's all for naught. Then we had MVP chance for Derek White, which is just absolutely wild. And my contention is really pissed off Jason Tatum. If you're Jason Tatum eh, and you hear those chants, doesn't it make you think a little bit like, what the fuck? Is that, is, are there all the chants for me earlier in the year meaningless? You're just going to give the MVP chant to any Tom, Dick, or Harry who comes to the Alliance, scores 20 points in a game? This is, And then after uh, immediately after that, Jason Tatum throws what Gary Washburn called the angriest pass he's ever seen him throw. Immediately after Derek White gets the MVP chance, it was a very sick cross-court one-handed pass to Al Horford who knocked down a three at the buzzer or to beat the shot clock. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Derek White gets MVP chance and then Jason Tatum throws uh, the angriest pass he's ever it, thrown in his It career. wasn't a coincidence at all. It was the end of the fucking shot clock. So he didn't yes. have to throw it so angrily. Yes, he, he did. He had to throw it hard as hell. He could have thrown it with a smile on his face. He didn't have to do <laughs> he it. He had to throw it hard as hell to, to Al Horford. That was an awesome play by Tatum, by the way. Um, just kind of accepted the double team, waited for the double to come. I thought he was going to shoot a step back three himself. But no, he he knew exactly how much time was left. He knew he had to get it to Horford in a hurry so that Horford could beat the shot clock. And then Horford caught it. And was able to shoot just a regular wide open three with like a second left on the shot clock. It was perfect awareness. Just a a really, really nice, nice pass. Uh, and it it wasn't like the most important moment, but I think it was 14 at that moment. And it pushed it to 17 and just kind of ended all hopes for the Hawks. Now you asked Jason Tatum about the MVP chance after the game. I don't think it was a great question. I think you could have made it funnier. <laughs> what 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 should I have asked? What made it such a? Do you remember question? how you phrased the question? I, you said yeah. so, can you so can you repeat it? Just because I don't remember. I just remember. I just remember being a little disappointed. So I said the MVP chance, something like the MVP chance were for Derek White tonight, not for you. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Were you see that's the problem? It's a little too open ended. But then I said, "Were you um, were you going to join in?" And then I was going to continue the question, like, "Were you were you furious about it?" But he started to react, and I just let him go. See, here, here's the problem. It's the funniness is from the idea that he might be furious about it. So you have well, to, that was the next part. Well, you have to question. lead with that. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like Jason. I just never got there. Well, that that's my critique. I just never that, got there. For if you're trying to do peak humor right now, you got to go, Jason. Are how upset are you that Derek White got the MVP chance tonight instead of you? That's immediately that, frames that's it a, a good, funnier. That's a good question. That's what I was going to ask. That if no one asked it, and by that by saying I was going to ask it, there's no chance. That's a valid critique. I'll give you points for criticism. I will say that question as as much as it could have been improved. But there were a lot of worse fucking questions in that. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're not we're not here to talk about other people's performances out on the post game. Uh, uh, we're here to talk about your performance. Another theme of the post game press conferences was uh, 
Joe Mazzulla loving Dude, spite. To, well, that Joe Mazzulla, huge spite guy. But that was that was pregame, and then but after the game, two different two different reporters <laughs> phrased questions saying that Derek White bailed out the Celtics, and it was Joe just started smirking each time, and I think it was because in his head he was like, "Motherfucker, we're up ten to twenty most of the second half, like we did not need anyone to bail us out tonight." But but thank you. Speaking of Joe Mazzulla and his love of spite. This is a question I wrote down. How many people do you think Joe Mazzulla actively holds a grudge against right now? I think it's got to be in the hundreds. I think he has like a list, like Billy Madison style, but like it just is a scroll that just keeps is unrolling forever. Yeah, it would not surprise me if it's in the triple digits at least. Um, I also think he probably <laughs> adds to it daily. Like oh, I, bet, yeah. I bet DeJounte Murray is on his list now after barking at the Celtics bench some tonight. I feel like if you cut off Joe Mazzulla in traffic, he is taking down your license plate number and he's remembering that forever. And then next time he see, happens to see you on the road, he's going to flip you the bird. Maybe that's too much. Maybe jujitsu, uh, that's a little too aggro for him. Maybe he can control his breathing and calm down. But I do feel like he holds a slight against anyone who's dared to even wrong him a little bit. Yeah, no, I I think he very much holds grudges very much. Um, He uses any slight as fuel. I wonder if he... See, these are the things I wish he was a little more forthcoming with us. Because it'd be fun to know if he was just (laughs) telling the players, like, this is what these fucking idiots think about you. And, like and, the idiots being the and uh, turning them into the spike guys. Like like if he, Chris Mannix was asking tonight about how Marcus Smart reacted to not being on uh, any defensive player of the year ballots, which I don't think it was any huge like mistake. Marcus Smart admitted he had a mediocre season by his standards, um, but. I would love it if Joe Mazzulla was like, see this, Marcus? None of these fucking guys have any respect for you. None of them put put you under their ballot. The entire team. Not one of you made an all the, uh, got one vote for defensive player of the year. We have the second best fucking defense in the league. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he does that or wanted to do that. Or maybe he's doing it in his own head. <coughs> Sheesh. Uh, did you see... The halftime performance of the amazing chin balancer. <laughs> I saw, I looked up, and I think he had a uh, bicycle on his chin. He did a, a, a grill, a wheelbarrow, a bicycle, a table, multiple ladders. He climbed up on top of a ladder and then did a ladder. <coughs> <coughs> you are faking it. <coughs> it's bad audio at this point. Why would I be faking it? That's bad for the show. But the chin balancer. People don't want, no one was talking about it. That's because the whole media is just buoyed by big unicycle and just are obsessed with Red Panda. No one's talking about the chin balancer. <laughs> the chin balancer was <laughs> impressive. Honestly, I, I didn't pay attention to much. But when I looked up and he had a bicycle just balancing on his chin. These people, you always wonder what the origin story is. Like, how do you just begin balancing shit on your chin? Packard is has phlegm or something right now. 
He is, he is walking over. There is a sink in the room that we are recording in right now. He is filling up a cup of water. His his fake sick act has gone extremely far tonight. He he's even upped it from when we were not in person, and now we are in person, and uh, it's it's pretty bad. Oh wow! How'd that water do you? Again, you had to throw me under the bus immediately. You couldn't just talk for 30 to 45 seconds, you know, to, to get me to cover and to get the water. The water did work great uh, wonders for me. Um, any other junk from this this game? Uh, any other reason? Is there any reason? Before we get to the junk, is there any reason to think that this is not a sweep? Like, I feel like the Celtics losing a game in this series would be a colossal fuck-up. Yeah. <laughs> if it happens, I'll immediately be like, oh, it's not a big deal. They're just going to win in five. But there's no reason they should win or lose Friday or Sunday. At no point tonight did I feel like the Celtics were playing their best basketball. And they shot 55% from the field, 46% from three. <laughs> and the game was never really in doubt. So... I don't know. It's it's not the most compelling series. And Atlanta does have like just about a, as bad a playoff defense as you could ever have. Yeah. Like it really is just just an abominable playoff defense. Like you see the Kings and the Kings are like locking in and the Kings had a bad defense during the regular season. But they have like Intensity. They have athletic guys and intensity, and they're really working to keep the Warriors at bay. And the Hawks are just like, eh, you know what? (laughs) 64 points in the paint. Go ahead. And it should have been more. (coughs) Celtics missed some bunnies. The thing is, they just don't help at the rim whatsoever. Like, you just have to beat the person, like one person on a drive, and it's so wild. And I just don't get what. Akungwu or Capella are doing the whole time. Just like force Al Horford to shoot or force them to like give up the ball to someone in the corner. Like why do they just keep not stepping up and doing anything to deter easy layups at the rim? There was another play uh, where DeJounte Murray, and this is just goes to show how like out of sync the Hawks defense seems. DeJounte Murray was pressuring up on Derek White. Oh, and, and like, just... normally when you pressure up on a guy, like other people are ready because if you pressure up, there's a chance you're going to get beat off the bounce and like you're going to need someone to step in and cut off the drive and stuff. No, like Murray pressured up on him and Derek White just kind of, and he played decent defense for like, Couple of seconds, but but eventually White just beat him and got to the rim and up faked and finished and there was nothing else. Like he didn't have to worry about a help de- defender swiping at him. He didn't have to worry about a help defender stunting at him. He didn't have to worry about someone else like protecting the rim. It was just he had to beat Dejounte Murray, and that was it. Well, that's what's been the entire time. You just beat one guy, and then the rim's there, wide open for a layup. Are you worried that the Celtics will fall into bad habits because the Hawks defense no. is so easily beaten? 
It's going to be ridiculous when they match up against the Sixers in the second round, who should sweep the Nets, who are another bad uh, playoff team. It's just going to be two completely not battle-tested teams going into the second round of the playoffs on a lot of rest because they have to wait for whatever, like, the seven-game series the, uh, to completely the other time. It's just, I don't know. It's just, like, two basically non-playoff series preparing the Celtics for Sixers, which is going to be... <laughs> A wild battle, but it's, it's I guess, interesting as it's happening. Glad we went to a podcast every single day. I don't know what we're going to talk about the rest of the week. Is it interesting? <laughs> <coughs> You're a fucking dope. <laughs> he, is, he is waving me. He's like Wendell Kim at, the, at third base. Just, Close it up, just Jay. Just waving me. Trying, trying to get me to, to just hold on while he chugs water. No, I'm asking you to wrap up the pod for me, Brosif. He's choking over there. His face is all red. And uh, we're still podcasting because we're doing this for the people. I'm coming to believe that maybe Packard wasn't faking it after all. And he actually was sick this whole time. <coughs> Some might argue I'm still sick. It's possible he's giving it to me right now. Yeah, dude. Consider that all your lampooning of me, and now you're stuck in a small room with me. I don't get sick. It's a good test for I you. I got COVID and I didn't get sick. All right. Well, now you can go down to Atlanta I'll and miss spread these germs. By the way, people, <laughs> people were on me about sticking up for Draymond Green last night. Yeah, that was, but like, oh yeah, someone, someone tweeted at me, tagged me and the Athletic, or something. Are you defending assault with this tweet? I thought it was just J. King being J. King, like just stirring the pot a little bit. I, I really wasn't. I believed in that one. <laughs> that was. I don't know how you can eject a guy in a playoff game for something short of murder if someone else just wrapped his ankle while he was trying to run the other direction. It makes no sense to me. You either have to eject them both. You cannot reward the guy who grabbed the other guy's I think ankle. it was an unintentional wrapping, though. I thought it was just a... I don't think it was... I don't think there Unintentional was a, wrapping of someone's ankle? Yeah, I thought he was just, like, kind of curled to the ground. He was, he was curled and unintentionally wrapped his yeah. two arms around Draymond. At worst, it was reckless, but it was not It was not intentional. It was not a knowing act by Devontis. That's also bullshit. Why are people calling him Domus? I thought his name was DeMontis, but now everyone's calling him just Domus? Since yeah. when has that been a thing? That's always been a thing. Long been a thing. So Domus is short for DeMontis? De Correct. That's stupid. Be like John. Johnny is short for Jonathan. Does DeMontis Sabonis count as the best American white in the league? Because he grew up in America. Was he born? I don't know where he was born. I'm pretty sure he was born in America. You can Google it. Yeah, feels like a lot of work at this point. I mean, if does you, that completely change your answer then, or just purely based on his uh, birthplace of his sitters, or place of his sitters, place of his birth? I mean, Nikola Jokic is the best white guy in the league. If we're going He's with an American. American-born white guy, then <coughs> I don't know where he was born. <laughs> Serbia, I would guess. On a horse farm? No, I know where Nikola Jokic was born, but Sabonis was probably born... Serbia, horse farm as well. 
in the United States where his father was playing in the NBA. I don't know, but who knows? Great question. I would say this proves that not anything is potable. However, that is still the name of our podcast, and we will be podcasting every weekday. I don't know what we'll be podcasting about this week, but we'll figure out something. Um, we might have to get a Philly guest on and just talk about Philly. That could be the way to go. I think a that's super, the way to go. Super early, super early look preview. at the next series. We'll just get an NBA guest on and talk about all the other playoff series going on. We got to figure out something because I've committed to this at this point. Podcasting every weekday and uh, there's not much we can do at this point. This series is uh, useless, as they say. But Packers, Packers over here are sick as hell. And uh, anything is potable. Anything is potable. <laughs>